Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name's Peter Rowlett, this is episode 45. 45 is the only number that is the sum of its digits multiplied by 5. This week on the podcast, I sat down with Sarah Shepherd, a PhD student at the University of Nottingham, who also edits I Squared magazine, and we talked over some recent maths news. The big exciting thing that happened in October for the podcast is that it turned one. Did it? And I realised, oh, yes, okay. been doing it for a year, and I realised the, the last, uh, last time we met, the Maths News episode, I released on the day of the first anniversary, the 4th of October, without realising at all. So that's, that's news, that's what's happened in October. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know how to celebrate, I don't know whether to, because I've missed a year... I could say something like at 50 and say that that's a milestone. I've yet to decide. So an arbitrary number at some point I might say, wow, look, we've made this many. So anyway, I okay. forgot to do it a year. Okay, so this month uh, the BBC News reported that Stephen Hawking's successor as Lucasian Professor of Mathematics at Cambridge University has been named. Professor Michael Green will be the 18th person to take up this position when he starts his new role on the 1st of November. Professor Green is a theoretical physicist, he's a pioneer of string theory and a member of the Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics at Cambridge. The piece I saw described him as a member of the String Quartet, a group of physicists who originally developed the string theory. So Hawking uh, stepped down from the position at the beginning of October because Cambridge rules say that the post must be vacated when the incumbent reaches their 67th birthday. Hawking is now Director of Research at the Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics. The Lucasian Professorship was created in 1664 and it's been occupied by names such as Sir Isaac Newton and Paul Dirac. I saw an article in The Guardian that was an interview with, uh, with Michael Green, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, October saw the anniversary, the 125th anniversary of the drawing of the Greenwich Meridian Line through Greenwich, and it says, the BBC say, uh, without it international travel would be in turmoil and calling friends in faraway places at the right time impossible. Uh, and it has an article uh, which it claims answers how and why did Britain become the centre of time. Right, so the October saw the launch of, uh, of a website called Manga High, uh, which is fun, apparently, uh, Games to teach mathematics and mental arithmetic. So the, there are a series of games. Uh, Marcus Soto is involved in this, and therefore it gets a lot of press, I think. The papers seem to go a little bit silly over it, the ones that I saw. The headline I liked the most was, Killer Robots Make Maths Homework Less Dull. <laughs> Not make it interesting, but make it less dull, because it's very dull, you know. Um, so there are games solving little mental arithmetic problems to save penguins, defend, ro- defend against robots, shoot down asteroids to escape a pyramid and to grow flowers. In fact, one review I saw of it said, It is a situation eerily familiar to most gamers. I am lost deep inside a pyramid, being pursued by a monster about to devour me in a spectacular way if I don't make a decision pronto. The only difference to most of the games is that the problem involves geometry. This review concludes there are stacks of maths games around, but Manga High claims to be the most sophisticated as well as geared to the syllabus. Uh, that's the school syllabus. Um, it is free and there's a premium version it hopes to make money from. It says. Anyway, and I played it at lunchtime and it was quite fun. <laughs> it makes maths homework less dull. Who is that? 
Who was that? That was the Times. <laughs> the Guardian were quite keen on it at the Times. <laughs> well, they, I don't know they weren't keen on it, but they had this whole, um, your kids don't want to do their homework because they're playing on the computer, and now they can do work. Do you see this Logi Comics? Oh yeah, I want to read that. Yeah? That's good. <laughs> so this is a comic uh, describing Bertrand Russell's... Um, how would you describe it? I'm not, I sort of know what it is about. But is it about writing Principia Macmillan or is it about... It's about his Bertrand Russell's quest to find a complete logical system for mathematics. But it seems like it's... Um, Dramatised. Yeah, things aren't in the proper chronological order mm. and he goes around and meets people who weren't alive when yes. he was alive. It's apparently the New York Times' number one best-selling graphic novel. Uh, it describes itself as a dramatic story of madness and reason, love and war. So The Guardian describes Burton Russell's Principia Mathematica as probably the most impenetrable book ever written by a winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature. And it says, for this reason, the Principia is not an obvious subject for a mainstream popular science book. Yet the intellectual and emotional journey that Russell took while writing it has been turned into a graphic novel that is both a thrilling adventure and a serious history of the philosophy of mathematics. Um, it says that the, the comic's main narrative is Russell's quest for the truth, which in his case is the truth about the foundations of mathematics. His adventure is portrayed as if the fate of the world depends on it, and our tortured superhero must battle his inner demons to achieve the task. The authors tell the story with humour and a lightness of touch that pokes fun at the philosophers and mathematicians involved, but never trivialises the philosophy or the mathematics. So says the Guardian. It's in the, like, the top ten on Amazon. Right. Top ten books. That's weird. I was surprised it was number For a one. Bit, but... Yeah. So the BBC also reports that Dundee University has been given a £1.5 million grant from the European Research Council to develop a virtual model of cancer growth. The model would be an individual-based model of biological cells which treats the biomechanical properties of each cell. The model will help clinicians with patient diagnosis of cancer. The grant covers five years and will provide seven new posts at the university, three postdoctoral research assistants, three PhD students and one research lecturer. Professor Mark Chaplin, head of mathematics at Dundee, said, One of the biggest challenges in addressing cancer treatment is that you can have two patients with the same kind of tumour in the same area of the body, but they will react to it completely differently. The factors which contribute to the creation and growth of cancerous cells can all be measured. Most biological processes in the human body involve many different but interconnected phenomena to which mathematical values can be applied. He goes on to say, we're uniquely placed in Dundee and having all the relevant expertise needed across the different disciplines to work on this project. The mathematicians will work in collaboration with researchers in life sciences, medicine and physics at Dundee to develop the new models. A team of mathematicians at Imperial College London have constructed a model which suggests that low doses of radiation can cause cardiovascular disease. They developed a mathematical model to explore a mechanism that suggests radiation kills monocytes, cells which travel across the arterial wall to mop up a protein called MCP1. High levels of this protein are thought to cause the inflammation which leads to cardiovascular disease. Their model suggests that the risk increases as the dose increases, which is consistent with rates of heart disease seen in nuclear workers who were exposed to long-term doses of radiation. Dr Mark Little, who led the research, said, For the first time we have shown a mechanism that could explain the kind of cardiovascular disease risks that have been seen in occupational studies. 
If the mechanism is valid, it implies that risk from low-dose radiation exposures like medical and dental x-rays, which until now have been assumed to result only from cancer, may have been substantially underestimated. Professor Richard Wakeford of the University of Manchester, who formerly worked for British Nuclear Fuels, said, More research like this is needed if the, resu if the results of epidemiological studies are to be properly understood but there is still some way to go before it may be reliably concluded that low level of radiation can increase the risk of circulatory disease. So I saw a thing on the, an article on the BBC about apparently shoppers are failing to take advantage of bargains because of their poor math skills, so thinks the government. They gave just over a thousand adults the example of a chocolate bar that was priced at one ninety nine for one and three forty five for two, and 87% of those asked were unable to work out how big the saving on two bars would be the campaign organisers said. Around 50% could not work out how much a packet of sausages would cost if it had a third off. Uh, so they're going to supermarkets and, and trying to promote numeracy programmes for the government. What particularly got me about this story is that the headline is Maths Failing Bargain Hunters. Not bargain hunters aren't able to do their maths, but maths is failing them somehow. Who did this research? The Learning and Skills Council's Get On campaign which is the adult numeracy. So it's government. Right. And 87% couldn't multiply one. 80% of those, ad, those asked couldn't take, yeah, 199 times 2 minus 345. Uh, mm -hmm. In a Sainsbury's store. <laughs> so Consumer Affairs Minister Kevin Brannan has some nice things to say about, well, general numeracy being very good news for society. So I saw a report from uh, Mathematics and Education Industry, who run the Further Mathematics Support Programme. There's been a bit of news recently about the numbers of students taking A-level mathematics and further mathematics, and they've done a bit of a survey of schools to try and look into what they think the reasons are. Because the numbers, um, the changes in A-level uptake in 2008 to 9, biology is down nearly a percent, computing is down 7%, ICT is down 2.5%, technology is up fractionally, almost half a percent. Physics is up nearly 5%, mathematics is up 12%, and further mathematics is up 15%. So these are, these are fairly impressive numbers. Increases particularly large, both as absolute numbers and percentages, and in this mathematics differed from other STEM subjects. So they ran a survey of schools and colleges. The survey indicates an expectation, based on current student numbers, of even larger percentage increases next year. So it's interesting to read this analysis, it's a good, it's a good paper, but the, the, the very crude thing that I've taken away from it is the top two reasons given are, number one, more students are seeing mathematics as a subject that will give them a competitive advantage when seeking a university place or employment, and number two, students are more conscious of the likely benefit of the subjects they choose in terms of future earnings and career prospects. I think this is very interesting, because mathematics at university is seeing an increase, and I keep visiting universities who have something in the order of 30 students in the third year, 70 students in the second year, and 100 students in the first year. And so the numbers are just, are just taking off. And again, this is, this is very interesting because it's about... Well, I hear a lot of, at the moment about graduates not getting graduate jobs and a, a degree not being worth doing and this sort of thing. And it's sort of... Once upon a time, people thought all degrees were equal, so you might as well go for an easy subject, whereas now people are starting to realise that more difficult subjects like mathematics actually are more worth doing. But why is that? Why are they realising that? Well, that's... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of what this tries to do for A-levels. 
It's trying to look into the reasons. But, I mean, it's teachers' perceptions of the reasons. But, I mean, it does seem to highlight um, careers as being a possible a possible thing. Yeah. Students are going to. Anyway, and uh, then, not long after reading this, I read, Science Uptake Figures Are Science Fiction, says report. And this is a this is a think tank. So, government claims about the numbers of students, increasing numbers of students at A-level and, and, and at degree level taking science, uh, STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, mathematics subjects. Uh, it says, since they've been, these have been designated as strategically important subjects, this report talks about Although there is a big increase in the number of students taking these subjects, there's also a big increase in the number of 16-year-olds anyway. So that, and, and apparently, in proportional terms, the numbers aren't actually, are actually lower than they were in 97 as a proportion of the whole. And apparently more and more degrees are getting classified as science that didn't used to be classified as science and all this massaging of the numbers. So I asked somebody at the MEI who did that report, um, and he said they did take into account the number of maths A-levels as a proportion, as a percentage of all A-levels taken. And this is still showing an increase, and the numbers are in the report. And actually the number of maths A-levels as a percentage of all A-levels taken is higher than it was in 97. And it's the highest it's been. It's only been higher in 1992 than before. Yeah. Over 2,000 pupils at primary schools in England have been involved in a pilot scheme aimed at increasing numeracy standards among six and seven-year-olds. In the pilot, nearly 75% were able to reach expected levels in numeracy following one-to-one tuition, even though none of the children who took part in the pilot project had been predicted to achieve the expected level in maths at the age of seven. Schools Minister Vernon Coker said, It's time to break the cycle of poor numeracy skills being passed on. These are stunning results which show that inspiring and innovative teaching can stop the lowest achievers going into a downward spiral for the rest of their school careers and into adulthood. Following the pilot, from next September, the 30,000 least able 6 and 7 year olds will get 20 hours of tuition from specialist teachers. This will involve daily 30 minute intensive sessions which will be run by the Every Child a Chance Trust, a partnership of the government, charitable foundations, the business sector and universities. Okay, so I spoke, I remember talking about this last year, actually, but the Further Mathematics Support Programme and Rolls-Royce have launched their third national poster competition. So they're looking for undergraduate or, P, or PGCE mathematics students to design a poster, either individually or as a group, which, it says here, conveys the essence of a mathematical topic that has been covered at university by the designer or designers. The poster should be targeted at school and college students studying AS or A-level mathematics, designed to inspire them. Two winners will be chosen and will receive £100 each, and their designs will be printed and sent out to over 2,000 schools and colleges. And the winning posters from last year are on the wall outside my office here, <laughs> for example. The closing date is the 31st of March 2010, so there's a good amount of time, uh, so get designing. The other thing I want to promote is a conference the IMA uh, are supporting, called Tomorrow's Mathematicians Today. The University of Greenwich uh, have come up with this initiative. It's an undergraduate mathematics conference. So the aim is for undergraduates to give short presentations about mathematics which excites them. So undergraduates are invited to submit an abstract by mid-December, uh, which will then be reviewed and, if successful, you'll go on to give a presentation at the conference. Uh, attendance at the conference is also a, something you might be interested in. The conference is free to attend. And the conference organisers are uh, very fortunate to have arranged Professor Ian Stewart to deliver the keynote speech. So there's a conference website with further information about this, and I'll put the link in the show notes. On listening to the recording of the podcast back, 
uh, I realised I forgot to talk about uh, Martin Gardner's birthday. Martin Gardner is a famous populariser of mathematics, um, and he wrote a famous column in Scientific American on recreational mathematics. The, and the 21st of October saw Martin Gardner's 95th birthday, which attracted an article in the New York Times. The other thing that usually happens at the end of a recording of the Maths News podcast is I, uh, I bully Sarah into plugging I-squared, and this time I've completely forgotten to do so. But I would recommend that you consider reading I-squared magazine, and you can find out more about that at www.isquaredmagazine.co.uk. You can find further information about the podcast, download more episodes, and get show notes related to each episode by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about what I do by following me on Twitter, where I am Peter Rowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for listening.